0: Welcome to NucleCast, the official podcast of the ANOI Deterrence Center. Our host is Dr. Adam Laufer, co-founder and vice president for research at the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. The ANOI Deterrence Center is a 501c3 organization ensuring a broader understanding of the nation's strategic nuclear deterrence and its ongoing modernization. Thank you for listening and welcome to the show. The views of the host and the guests are their own.
1: Welcome back to another great episode of NucleCast. Of course, I'm your host, Adam Lowther. And today, we have another great guest. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Whitney Jones, who is the Director of Submarine Industrial Base in uh, the Navy's Program Executive Office for Strategic Submarines. And we are going to talk about, uh, you know, it's a challenge. It's a topic that we've discussed quite a bit on Nuclecast, and that is, of course, uh, workforce, recruiting, retaining, training, all of that good stuff. And we're focused on building Columbia and the submarines, and that's sort of Whitney's task. And so with that, Whitney, welcome to Nuclecast.
0: Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it. Look forward to being on.
1: So I was watching... It was a national title game, I think, not not the Super Bowl, but this was, you know, maybe a month ago, and there was a. I think it was a website that I saw, like build submarines, something to that effect. Now, I assume that's that's you, that's like your thing, right? That is uh,
0: that is <laughs> yeah, that is very much the the Navy in partnership, uh, very close partnership uh, with uh, a. A partner of ours um, who is able to kind of help mobilize around some of these things and go do them really quickly. So Blue Forge Alliance. Um, But yes, it was a really exciting thing to uh, launch into, and we started we started that campaign with the first commercial back in um, December of 2022. We rolled it out at the Military Bowl. Um, I was terrified uh, because it's uh, not anything that you've seen, like the Navy acquisition community do, right? You see Navy recruitment videos, but that's about where that ends. Um, and so we were really, uh, we had to do this and I can talk more about that later, certainly, but, uh, that I think is what kind of turned this from, uh, a moment to more of a movement, uh, and a call to action for, for a national level audience.
1: Yeah. So lay out for our listeners, sort of give us a, a landscape uh, that you know, this is the the challenge we face. Uh, this is what we're doing. You know, here's how we think we're going to solve the problem, and sort of, you know, where did we start, and where are we now, and where are we going? Sure, uh,
0: that's that's a long, complicated <laughs> one, but I, I I can do that. Um, so you know, there's something that makes um, what we are. We, the submarine enterprise, are, are needing and wanting to do around workforce um, fundamentally different, right? And it's, um, we are at a very different place than as a country than uh, we were the last time we had to recapitalize our ballistic missile capabilities, the last time we saw a demand signal for submarine construction anywhere near where we are right now. Um, it's you know, it's a 5x increase to our industrial base. and we're doing it in a time where um, we have a very def- different set of circumstances. Um, you know, we are post Cold War, a third of the manufacturing nation we once were. Um, we are uh, very much ingrained in a go to college culture, um, and that has been promoted for many, many years um we are you know we have like it's for an instructor to teach and train these trades versus what they would make in industry there's a significant gap there right so we have a disconnect between um the academic system and um where we need to be oriented in terms of uh trades training and then there's this stigma too that's kind of attached to to blue-collar workforce that's developed over the last 30-plus years. And so um, all of those headwinds are um, competing against us at the same time that we've got to go hire 100,000 tradespeople uh, for the next decade's worth of submarine shipbuilding. And that's just to build the submarines, right? That's not any other part of the Navy. That's not to sustain them. So the magnitude and scale of this is – uh, very unique, uh, in terms of, uh, big Navy
1: enterprise. And so as, is you know, you mentioned a hundred thousand folks, can, can you talk about, you know, sort of what do we need? I mean, it's, you know, I think you've clearly laid out the problem that we have a shortage of, you know, pipe fitters and welders. (laughs) Problems easy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we understand that. And, you know, the transition, you know, where you wanted a good skilled labor job 40 or 50 years ago, N- now you, you might want, instead of skilled labor, you want to be a social media influencer or, you know, whatever else you can do. You want to, I, my kids keep talking. I've got a 11 and a 13 year old and they're always referring to Mr. Big now I'm not sure who Mr. Big is, but I think he's on YouTube or something. And, but as you think through this, this workforce challenge, how do you see, you know, you and in the industrial base partnering and then going out to recruit? Cause you know, you need bright kids doing this, you know, it's just not, well, kids who can't make it in college. It's like, no, these are really good jobs going into debt to get a, you know, a communication degree or a political science degree or a history degree, or you pick a whatever degree might not be the most efficient use of your time and resources. You know, maybe doing one of these other careers is a really good thing to do. So what are you guys doing to sort of make that happen?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, our our collective team, uh, the submarine industrial base program team, um, we have been working really hard on this particular problem um, for the last, I'd say, um, two to three years, and both in terms of looking at the root causes of of the problem, um, which, like I said, this is not. Uh, the challenges extend far just beyond the navy and shipbuilding, right? It is it is um, cultural norms that make this hard at this point. Um, plus, this is not inherently a government role to play. Um, I've I've been working um, very closely with the navy uh, since about 2010, and if I rewind to 2010, um, I don't think we were anywhere near where we are today in terms of. Um, the realization of workforce and its impact on everything we measure a program's success by, whether it's cost or schedule or performance or you name it, you can trace it back to workforce in pretty much every instance. And so, um, you know, over the last couple of years, the Navy um, and and the submarine enterprises, um, I guess, acceptance of what our role really does need to be in this space has, I. I think it's shifted pretty significantly, right? It went from industry, we've given you the work, if you can't find the people, that's not our problem, to we've got to partner with you all very closely to figure out how we do this really wide range of things that must be done. And um, what we've learned very quickly is that none of the things we have to do across this like workforce continuum are or statements. They are all and, 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 Um, and so if you're like looking at this continuum, the far left side of that continuum is how do we, um, attract and recruit more people to these jobs, to this mission? Um, and how do we spread awareness on what these opportunities are? To your point, there are a lot of people who might think about a different path for them, uh, than a four-year college degree if they knew the potential and and the stability right now that comes with these types of careers and so far left side is really um building that bigger pool of manufacturing or potential manufacturing professionals and then you've got the middle of this continuum which is how do we keep the workforce that we've got today how do we upscale the workforce that we've got today how do we um retain the people that we have today. Um, and so it's really focusing on the um, either the existing pipelines for, for trades training and, and also our shipbuilders and our supply base who, um, you know, it does no good for us to pump a bunch of people through a trades training pipeline if we can't keep them, right? And so that's addressing that entire group of people who are um, already connected to our industrial base in some capacity. And then the very far right of this continuum is um, what we call opportunity workforce. And so that is um, really branching out further than we traditionally have in terms of um, what our industrial base looks like, right? We are talking about underserved and underrepresented populations of people. We are talking about um, recruiting far more uh, transitioning military and veterans than we have in the past because they already are connected to this mission. Um, and so it really is pulling levers across that entire spectrum um, that has to happen for this to be successful. And like I said, I mean, while I'm you know very much looking out for building one Columbia and two Virginias every year, and that is a, a forcing function for Uh, a lot of the efforts we have planned and and in implementation. um, Workforce is one of those things that really is, it's it's a rising tide that floats all boats, right? Like I, we need to make uh, maritime manufacturing uh, interesting. We need to be doing it to make entire ecosystems healthier so that we're not poaching from each other. There's so there's, it's way more than just submarines that can benefit for, from this if done right and well.
1: Yeah, one of the things I wonder is, you know, because I'm, I'm a prior Navy guy, and I've, I wonder, and it seems a, sort of a long-term challenge for the Navy, is it, the Navy is, is in sort of high-tax, high-cost-of-living places in general Whereas, you know, many Air Force bases are, you know, they, they look for to be away from people. So you have tend to have a lower cost of living. And I wonder, is that impacting people's willingness to, let's say, go to a, you know, Connecticut, for example, uh, you know, really high tax, high cost of living place and, you know, spend a career there or some of the other places where the Navy is, or is that just, you know, am I thinking that that's a concern when in reality it's just not?
0: It definitely is. I mean, we have, uh, I guess I'd say our efforts right now are um, many are targeted nationally, but we are, very specific at about like six or seven different regions that are kind of these maritime centers of gravity that you're talking about, right? And it's New England and it's the Virginia and Hampton Roads area and it's Great Lakes and it's California and it's Pennsylvania and it's the Gulf Coast and it's New York, um, like, which which always surprises me. Um, but it's these places that, um, to your point, have a, a pretty significant um, like set of macroeconomic Factors that come with them, and it's um, what we've what we've also kind of learned over the last couple of years is that this is not going to be a one size fits all solution, right? What what workforce needs to be in Connecticut and Rhode Island is different than what workforce needs to be in Hampton Roads, and it's different than Sunnyvale, California. To your point, there's a lot um, that makes it complicated um, from a uh, how do we how do we incentivize or um drive more people to where the work is today and then on the flip side of that is where do we move work to where the people are right so there's it's kind of it's, it can be seen two ways and we are looking at it both ways but you know our maritime hubs are going to stay that way right that, that the, no nobody can change that nor do do we want to but um some of the things we are trying to get after are um, kind of those quality of life factors that can really improve somebody's experience um, living in a, in one of these areas, right? And so, thinking about um, and working with public private partnership, which is something we are actively doing right now, on things like childcare and transportation and affordable housing and things like that. Those have to be factors going forward. Um, And that's also gonna make what we're trying to do here sustainable, right? So um, short answer is you're spot on. It's obviously really complicated, but through public-private partnership and the work we're doing at state and local government level, I do think we have a shot at um, doing some things that would get after the challenge you talked about.
1: So could you go into more detail about what you guys are specifically doing, and you know what is you know are you measuring its effectiveness? What's working? What's sure. not working?
0: Sure. Um, so I guess you know if I go back to scale, right, and what we're trying to do, and the fact that it goes from the East Coast to the West Coast uh, in terms of uh, where the demand signal is and where the challenges are we have a lot of efforts that are targeted, uh, nationally, right? Um, you mentioned the national marketing campaign. Um, and we have a lot of indicators that that is going to help us, uh, significantly down the road. Right. And I, I can, you know, I can definitely spend some time talking about what data we have that, that points in that direction, but the national marketing strategy, and it's everything from, the billboards that are on the side of the highways, to airport signage, to the commercials we're airing, uh, you know, during targeted events, to um, we have a we have NASCAR uh, sponsorship now uh, with RFK Racing. And in terms of getting exposure to more people across the country, all of those things are targeted at... Um, awareness and an understanding of the opportunities. Um, We've done a lot uh, also kind of under this, how do you make it scalable? We've done a lot to standardize curriculum. Um, We've worked with both of our major shipbuilders, uh, General Dynamics, Electric Boat, Huntington, Ingalls, Newport News, on standardized curriculum for welding and inside machine shop and outside machine shop and while it maybe seems like that should have existed before it didn't. Right. Um, and, and that's a huge leap in terms of having, um, curriculum intended to compress time to talent for people that is targeted very specifically at what industry needs. Um, we've done a whole lot in terms of how we, right. We, we are going after, uh, the what do we need in the future, at the same time, we're looking at the gaps we have today, right? It's not like we're okay right now and we're planning for the future. We're living with these gaps and constraints and we're having to plan for the future ones as we continue to kind of ramp and scale submarine shipbuilding. And so um, it can't just be focusing on the gaps and challenges we have today. We're looking back at you know how do we engage more with middle schools and high schools How do we inform their curriculum, right? And so we've we've done a lot there, including, you know, we've got like material kits where people can, students and programs now um, can build actual submarine components in a classroom instead of, you know, welding a nameplate. And that's all trying to get more people connected to our mission earlier um, than when they're making the decision on whether or not they want to go into a trade. I'm trying to think. <laughs> there's a there's a really long list. I mean, some of the other things that we're doing it actually adding capacity at trades training pipelines that exist today, where the demand is greater than the throughput. Right? And you look at um, you look at at the Hampton Roads area. That's a place in particular where um, there are more people who are interested in going into trades um, than there are welding booths or CNC machines, and so finding partners and building out capacity where that exists um, we would be foolish not to do that right so we're working on actually building out the pipelines that exist we're working on um, we're working on building pipelines that don't exist right um, there are a lot of places where I mean if you think about um, the academic community right there isn't a huge um, there isn't a huge motivator for them to train trades. It is expensive. It takes a lot of footprint, right? It takes a very specialized instructor. You've got to think about things like material costs and electric costs and all the other stuff. It's complicated. So there's not a big incentive for our industry partners or for our, our academic partners to take take that leap. Um, and so where we need to go constitute that capability and capacity from scratch, um, that's we're working with. We're working with state and local government. We're working with industry partners and academic partners to go do that. Um, we're also um, working on what I talked about, which is how do we get people into the workforce right now? Right, we can't all have pipelines that take you know two, four, six years to evolve into a person holding a welding torch or or operating a machine, um, and so. We've got a lot of programs that are targeted at very accelerated training curriculum, very targeted at exactly what our industry partners have said they need from a certifications qualifications perspective. Um, one example of that, our, probably our biggest example of that in terms of where we're headed with scale, is a place called Accelerated Training and Defense Manufacturing. That's in Danville, Virginia. We're scaling that program to 800 to a 1,000 people a year, but that is... Four months, 600 plus hours of trades training. People live, the the people going through that program live in Danville for that four month period. And there is no cost for them to go through that program. And there is no cost to our industry partners to send somebody. So that is a uh, pretty much a shovel ready uh, opportunity to get somebody into an early phase of their career, but starting from a much more advanced point. Um, so, you know, we've, we've got that kind of stuff happening. Um, and then, you know, we're working with, if you, if you look at that number, that hundred thousand, right, it is about third of that is our shipbuilders and their known hiring demand. Um, so there is a whole lot of work being done with our shipbuilders specifically on that demand signal that is measured in thousands, right? so. Um, that's the other thing that kind of makes all of this complicated is you've got, you know, in, 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 you know, Connecticut, you might have a 30 person mom and pop machine shop that needs to hire one or two people. And next door, you've got electric boat that needs to hire 2000 in a year. Right. And so you've got to, you've got to have levers to pull that address that entire, uh, that entire range of what people in the industry actually need to go do the job, and so it really is trying to make sure that we have um, things that address each one of those. Um, and so th- I I could go on for a while because there is a lot happening out there. We've got probably um, I should know this better, but um, well over you know three hundred million dollars in execution right now. Um, for trades training pipelines, and um, some of it is is being executed entirely through the Navy. Some of it is being executed with partners of ours at at um, Office of Secretary of Defense. And uh, you know, I think that's an important thing to highlight. Is you know, if if it was one or it's not going to be one organization or one uh, one partner who solves all of this, right? This is massive in terms of what the challenge is and it, the workforce stuff really is like this whole of government, whole of industry uh, push to, to go solve this problem. Um, and so there's a lot of things that we're leading on and then there's a lot that we are collaborating on because um, to make this work, we've got to uh, fundamentally change the fact that workforce is a national security issue.
1: This episode of NuclearCast is brought to you by the Amla Deterrence Center, whose mission is to educate Americans about the nuclear enterprise and strategic deterrence. And so as you, you know, you mentioned the workforce is a national security issue, which is, you know, it's a point we haven't really talked about yet. Do you think that that the tools and levers are in place to sort of push us to grow that workforce in the right direction? Or do we need, you know, do we need more funding? Do we need different laws? Do we, you know, what do we need or are we there?
0: Um, no, that's, that's a great question. I think we have come a very long way in terms of getting visibility and, um, advocacy for the things that we need. Are we there yet? No, I, we are not there yet. And I'll tell you, I think we learn new things every day. Um, I think there are a lot of places where mechanisms that, um, maybe were intended to, to help and support, uh, the industrial base aren't, aren't optimized there yet. Right. Like you look at, um, the, how we recruit people coming out of the military. And there's a lot of things that happen post, post military service that I think we could do a better job in terms of driving, uh, more people to serve their country in another way. And, and I don't think we're maximizing that at all right now. Um, from a, from a tools and, and platforms kind of perspective, um, I think a place that we've made really significant um, gains over the last year um, is actually uh, buildsubmarines.com, which you mentioned earlier, right? That website is more than a website. That is about creating a community and uh, centralizing a demand signal for people who um, need to better understand what our mission is, who want to understand what kind of trades um, exist out there. Um, you know, we've we built that that website and it rolled out the exact same time that the commercials started. So December, 2022, right? And since that time, since December of 2022, we've had 1.8 million people go to buildsubmarines.com. We've, um, we've had 131,000 people just since September of this last year, right? So five months or five months, we've had 131,000 people click on one of the jobs to apply, um, or set up a job alert. So we have metrics and, and indicators that show that we are moving in a direction where, um, more people are able to see what those opportunities are and ask questions. I'm a firm believer that like this curiosity thing is, is, uh, is a woefully missed opportunity. If we are getting a message out there, And people have questions we should that is that is a powerful thing we should drive them to answers um and that's kind of what build submarines is intended to do in addition to to actually offering up where people can go for training and what job openings exist today we have We've had over twenty-three thousand jobs from our industry partners. Thousands of industry partners listed on there, and it's all about kind of aggregating what this demand signal is for people. And so, I think that's been a really powerful tool. Um, I, in terms of of you know things like support uh, from the rest of uh, the government, the support from industry. I really do think we're headed in the right direction. Um, workforce is one of the few things that really doesn't matter which, uh, side of the, the party aisle you sit on, right? You, you understand the importance of, um, jobs and national security and things like that. And so we have support, um, that crosses uh, that crosses no matter where you sit in terms of politics, right? And that's, that's a really powerful thing and it doesn't exist a lot right now. And so um, I, I, I guess in terms of that level of support, I think we've got that. And I think part of what makes this all ha- like the the part that like gives me this glimmer of hope that we're going to be able to do this is that um, we have these three things lining up that I have never seen line up before, um, you know, we have the need for submarines. No one is challenging the importance of our nuclear platforms and the importance of um securing the seas and diplomatic partnerships that support that and, and all of those things. That is very clear no matter um no matter where you are that that uh the navy and the submarines specifically are are strategically fundamental to our our future here in in, in terms of um, all the things we hold near and dear to to us as a nation. We've got advocacy from very senior levels to just go do this, right? This is a a really hard thing and find the right partners and go, right? Um, I told you how nervous I was about that commercial coming out. And it wasn't that we haven't had questions and and needed to be accountable for things, but no one's asked us to stop and no one's asked us to slow down. And that is uh, incredibly empowering and enabling for us to keep going and, and to get bigger and bolder. And then we've got the resources to actually go do it, right? Like we have $800 million or more in the budget over the next five years all targeted at workforce and kind of this huge spectrum that I talked about. And like the fact that we've got um, the the national imperative, the advocacy and the resources all kind of intersecting makes this doable.
1: Yeah. Now uh, it's my favorite time of the show. It's whenever I bring out Bob the genie and as I rub my magic lamp and Bob pops out, And he's granting you, Whitney Jones, three wishes. They just have to, you know, they have to be related to what we've been discussing about. So is it?
0: No lottery tick, no lottery wins. Okay.
1: (laughs) No world peace, none of that. So Whitney, what is your wish number one?
0: I wish it wasn't so hard to make people realize and, and align to this mission, right? It's something that um, kind of in our echo chambers, like we all know and feel. And um, I, f- I wish that um, it wasn't, we weren't hitting so much uh, competition in terms of uh, the mission and its importance uh, in context of everything else, including just where we are at, as a services based economy and, and things like that. So I, I guess I just wish that, uh, and this is, I'm doing a terrible job at answering you, but I, it feels like it shouldn't be this hard. It's so important, right? It's so foundational. And, um, I think if people knew that, um, at a greater scale that we would have people lining up to serve this country in this way.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. It's a fair point. It's not a, I certainly know exactly what you're, what you're saying. so, so you made your point. It, it, it was, it was very clear and I agree with you. I, you know, you would think people would and do meaningful work, right? People always want to do meaningful work. So, okay. So that's wish number one. How about wish number two? Wish number two.
0: Okay. I think... I would say I wish more um of our partners understood the true impact of workforce on program success. Right? We have I'd say well north of 350 at least, probably more than that industry partners who are participating in some way shape or form. And that's, that's a lot, right? That's, I'm, I'm really happy with how far we've come from, you know, pipelines that didn't necessarily exist to, you know, well over 350 who are actively engaged, actively using them and recruiting out of them. Um, but I don't know that people understand the connection still between, um, workforce and their experience on the job. And how that translates to um, national capability, national uh, security, right? And and so I wish more people were emphasizing that you know when you come to work every day, Earl, you're not just uh, you're not just making a widget, right? You are making this component that's going to go on these submarines that are forward deployed in this area serving this mission, right? And I know that still ties back to mission and is kind of smushed together with wish number one, but I wish we had – I wish our community, our enterprise was um, doing more to to help us win a greater market share here in terms of um, people understanding the importance of what they do.
1: Yeah, conveying – the utility and the usefulness of it. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. So wish number okay. three.
0: Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm clearly not very good at waking wishes. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you're
1: fine. I know exactly what you're saying. The listeners, you know, our listeners are, they're a, a smart group of folks. So they're following you.
0: <laughs> I wish, um, and I didn't, I didn't spend too much time talking about this and arguably should have. Um, technology for us and workforce for us, those two things have to be running in parallel. Um, we need all of these people and we need to do everything that I kind of stepped through. But at the same time, um, we need to be leveraging technology to buy down the number of heads we actually need um, to recruit different types of people to this job, right? This isn't a blue collar job. This is a new collar job, right? And. And so I think there's a lot that needs to happen in that space. And, you know, technology and technical rigor are um, incredibly uh, important in our enterprise, as they arguably should be. Um, But I wish we were further in manufacturing technology, things like additive manufacturing and robotics and automation and if we were further along and and willing and had been willing to take more risk, um, I am, and to caveat this, we are doing all those things now, right? We really are partnered closely. But if I could go back and we could have started that push earlier, where we are implementing and scaling advanced manufacturing technology, I think we'd be in a different place than we are today in terms of where we sit from a workforce perspective. Um, so I wish that um, we maybe were living in a world where the acceptance of risk um, was something that we embraced a little more readily than we do today.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, your—I—I I would say your wishes were all three good wishes. So you—you <laughs> you okay. didn't fail in your big your big debut of wishmaking. So <laughs> you did a fine job. Okay. (laughs) Now it's, you know, so we're at the end of the show and the listeners have been listening and, you know, they're, they're sort of thinking about what you've said and letting it sink in. And so as, you know, as you are getting out of the elevator and looking back to the listeners who have been on this ride with you, what's that, that sort of takeaway point you leave with them?
0: I think I would say that uh, the defense industrial base workforce is gating our success as a nation in terms of having needed capability and, and, uh, capacity, uh, for submarines and other platforms. And workforce truly is a national security issue. And we have got to prioritize it that way. Um, And what we're doing has to be big and bold and flip the table because we're out of time. And so where opportunities exist, um, there's, there's a group of people and a, and a way, a mechanism for us to go act on those things now. And where challenges exist, it's the same. And so I guess I would just say that, um, the time is now. This is not a moment it's a movement and it's going to take a whole of enterprise approach to do it right
1: all right whitney jones thanks for joining us on nuclecast
0: thank you i really appreciate it
1: and thanks to you the listeners and we'll see you next time well you know talking to whitney jones was an you know it's an interesting conversation and it's different because, you know, we've had a number of discussions about workforce and a lot of times we're focused on sort of college graduates. And, you know, with Whitney, the focus was on the skilled trades that that's been the real big, you know, that's her focus because we need skilled trades to build, actually go out and build submarines. And so that was a, that was a great topic, you know, to, and to see how she's going about uh, working with industry to 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 grow those skilled trades to train them to recruit them and then to make sure that those folks have you know useful long you know careers uh, so it was an interesting topic hopefully it was interesting to you This has been a production of the NWA Deterrent Center, a 501c3 that seeks to
0: educate key decision makers, stakeholders, and the public to ensure a broader understanding of the nation's strategic nuclear deterrent. Our executive producer is Kimberly Charrington, and this episode has been engineered and mixed by David Grunthal. Help us grow our followers by sharing it and follow the show on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at Nuclear.